0: Welcome to the Canon Law Society of America podcast, where Catholic canon lawyers share their stories, their knowledge, and their love for the law. Now, here's your host with this episode's guest canonist.
1: Our guest today is Monsignor Patrick Lagas, a priest of the Archdiocese of Chicago and the most recent Roll of Law Award recipient in 2019. Welcome, Monsignor Lagas.
0: Thanks, Donna. It's good to be here
1: to just chat about some things. First of all, why canon law? Why would a priest choose to study canon law? Well, you as a priest.
0: (laughs) Well, that was a good question. I uh, I've asked myself a lot of times over 27 years, how did I get into this? Uh, But I uh, it started out as I was ending my first assignment after ordination. So in 1982, and I was kind of looking around for something to do, and I uh, was sort of drawn toward academic life, and so I was looking for maybe academic programs that I could get into or, or things like that. And, uh, but I also was doing some part-time work for the tribunal. I was interviewing petitioners, and so, uh somebody from the tribunal called me and asked if I would be interested in uh, coming to the tribunal and so I went in and talked about that a little bit to see what what was involved and it involved future studies so uh, I thought, well, that might not be a bad thing to do for sort of an interlude between you know parish assignments and so I thought, yeah, I could do that and then you know go back to to parish life. Uh, at some point, so I did. I, I said I would. I would go in full time, and and as I said in my role of law award uh, acceptance, uh, you know, it was listening to Frank Morrissey that just uh, that where I just wow, this is a whole new area that opens up for me, and it was really the way that Frank talked and the things that he said uh, that just. It's made me want to explore that more, and so that's really how I, how I got into it.
1: And my understanding is you went to Saint Paul, where Frank Morrissey was one of the professors. Tell us a little bit about your experience at Saint Paul.
0: Uh, yeah, I went. So I went to Saint Paul, uh, and uh, I loved it. I I lived in a little. Uh, country parish, St. Isidore, uh, outside of uh, the city of Ottawa, about 15 miles outside of Ottawa. Uh, My first experience of a small parish, Uh, I had always been in sort of these large Chicago parishes, and uh, it was a, a rural community at the time, a farming community. I had always been, I was a city boy, and so that was a whole new Area for me, a whole opening into my my own, you know, parish ministry, uh, and then uh, St. Paul's was just it was just a delightful place. It was small enough that uh, you could, you know, that you, you didn't get lost there. Um, and it had people at that time in my, in my class, uh, 22 different countries were represented. And so it was truly, it was really international, you know. And so, uh, I, and, and it was a good mix of men and women. Uh, so that it wasn't, you know, it, 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 and so it was, a, uh, it was something that was, uh, that was new. And also, you know, this was 1984. So the code was new. And so it was like everything was new here, you know. And so they were exploring what all this meant, you know. And I was, and I was, you know, really amazed, like with people like, uh, you know, uh, Gus Mendonza and Michael O'Reilly, and uh, later on Bill Westman, Frank Morrissey, how they'd produce all of these written notes for us. And, you know, that, ha- that contained all the analysis of these canons. And I thought, how did they get that done? You know, uh, how, did they, how did they do that? You know, and it was sort of that uh, rapid response that they had that, uh, that really, uh, you know, appealed to me. You know, and I saw that also in people like Jim Provost and Tom Green, you know, and, and, and those people that uh, could instantly size up a, a situation. And come up with a with a sort of a life-giving solution, and so that was the that was what was going on at uh, you know at Saint Paul's, and then uh, other people came in. Uh, you know, uh, Jean Thorne came in as the dean, and Jean was just such a delightful, gracious Frenchman uh, who. Uh, just made everybody feel welcome and feel at home and and made us uh, you know and, and well particularly calm me down uh, in in some of the things that you know because he had seen it all, and so he was just such a a, a wonderful uh, example of, of of how to do things how to be an administrator in a gracious way you know and I think i I learned from that how to how to run a tribunal.
1: Was there a particular reason why you chose St. Paul? Most people think of U.S. priests as going to uh, Catholic University or, or perhaps to Rome, but St. Paul, was that unusual at that time for someone from the archdiocese to go?
0: Well, it was uh, Cardinal Bernardine always let the, 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 the priest choose which place he wanted to go to. You know, and so I, I I, really, I didn't want to stay in the United States. I wanted a different experience, uh, except, I, you know, I didn't want it so different that, uh, of being in Rome. I'm not a linguist. I, I have trouble with languages. Uh, I can read them, but I can't speak them. And so uh, I thought, well, probably Rome wasn't a good idea. Um, and so uh and then with the connection with Frank Morrissey, uh that i uh i thought if frank exemplifies st paul university then that's probably the the place i want to go
1: that's very interesting so after you finished your studies and went back what did what kinds of ministries did you go back to parish life did you immediately go to tribunal what happened
0: uh a, a little of both i um went to, uh, uh, I moved into a parish on the uh, uh, north, north side of Chicago, Our Lady of Mercy, uh, that had uh, 40 different language groups in it. And, uh, and it was a huge mega parish, but uh, the way I described it was uh, right behind the church was Kaufman's Bagel Bakery, the Korea Times newspaper, and the Yasmin Lebanese Meat Market and Driving School. And so it was just a, a huge conglomeration of people and of cultures and, you know, constantly busy and, and that. Uh, and again, you know, uh, I'm, you know, I'm a city boy and I, you know, was mainly in, in Anglo parishes. So this was something new for me to, to to experience and again i learned an awful lot about respecting people's cultures in the as i did that and then i went to, i was full time at the tribunal uh so uh so i would go into the office every day and uh and work on cases um as a judge One of the things about the parish was that it was uh, in in a place that nobody wanted to go to, you know, uh, people, and oftentimes it was sort of a stopping off point for people. They'd come to the United States, they'd live in that area, and then they'd move on. Well, uh, so not a lot of people want, not a lot of priests wanted to go there. So a lot of times it was just me and the pastor. And so I did a lot of, of pastoral work there. I worked with the uh, liturgy team and with music and, uh, and, 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 you know, did my share of funerals and weddings and, and things like that. So, uh, and I also, while I was there, I also got involved in the uh, Filipino community, which was a, a real blessing in my life. So I, I enjoyed their celebrations, and I went to the Philippines for a few weeks and experienced it firsthand. So uh, all of that came from Our Lady of Mercy. And then the work at the at the tribunal, where I was, you know, uh, initially a judge. (coughs) Uh, When I came there, uh, I was in an office where I, I sat on boxes of paper and worked with a typewriter that didn't have an S. (laughs) So... So it was a little challenging, you know, and it's also a humbling thing where, you know, you come back with your doctorate and you're all proud of, of of what you did. And, and then you come in and you, you, you don't even have a chair, you know, you have to pull over boxes of paper and, and then you have this old, you know, Smith Corona typewriter with no S. And so it's kind of a humbling experience, but I think it was, you know, it, it, it was a good way to start out, you know, um,
1: Humbling to say the least. Now, you mentioned your doctoral, uh, that you got your doctorate. What was your thesis?
0: It was on the uh, legislative authority of the Conference of Bishops.
1: Well, that would still have a lot of relevance today, I would take it.
0: Uh,
1: uh, and was uh, that as that the code was... was changing? Had anything changed when the 83 code came in? Was that part of what you were looking at?
0: Yeah, that was the thing I was looking at, is that they were, you know, the the, the Conference of Bishops was was a new thing in the code, but not really a new thing in reality. Um, But the question is, well, what, what authority do they really have? What legislative authority, what executive authority do they have? What teaching authority do they have? And so uh, that was, that was a big, you know, a a big thing. So, um, you know, it, it, it was an important topic It probably still is, uh, although I must admit that in the uh, 33 years that I've had my, my doctorate, uh, I've given one talk <laughs> on my, on my topic. So again, uh, sort of a humbling experience, you know, and it's this thing that you think is just the greatest thing in the world, you know, uh, you yeah. know, first of all, uh, I had to Put on microfiche, I don't even know if they have microfiche anymore, but you know here's all of this work that comes down to three little pieces of plastic <laughs> and it was and so it was like, oh, that's what this was yeah. so but'm sure humbled.
1: yeah, you get humbled and, and I'm sure it was worth it now you make me want to go and read it, so i might have to see if St. Paul still has it and print a print a copy off so So you joined CLSA while you were studying?
0: Uh, No, it was as soon as I got to the tribunal in 1982 is when I joined. Is when I joined the uh, CLSA.
1: Okay, and what kind of role has it played in your ministry?
0: Well, I think it's, it's been very helpful. I always, you know, when I teach in the summer course at, at, at Catholic U, it's one of the things I always tell the students is to, you know, join the CLSA as soon as possible and go to the conventions uh, because you're interacting with, with, you know, with other canonists, with people who are smarter than you that have more experience than you um, and also, you get these, these resources now, like, well, that wasn't when I, when I joined, but the, the, you know, the, the resource uh, section on the CLSA website and things like that, you know, especially with the students now, when they're doing distance learning, this may be their only access to a canonical library, you know, and so that's why I think it's, uh, I'm going to do a special push for it when I uh, start teaching at the end of this month.
1: We appreciate that. You also have written for uh, Roman Replies. I think you've contributed a great deal over the years, and you've done a lot of trainings. Tell us about your teaching experience from workshops to those uh, institutions where you've taught.
0: Sure. Uh, I'll start with the institutions. Uh, my, I, I've taught basically since 1996. I started teaching at Mundelein Seminary, and I taught a course in um, uh, marriage nullity, and so I did that. Uh, they used to schedule me for the uh, winter quarter, which was always fun getting up there during the during the winter. Um, I also imagined myself sort of as a St. Francis, uh, because while I was teaching one day one day one year, um, I noticed the students were all looking out the window and it was because a herd of deer had come over in front of the, right by the building, because the the snow was melted around there, and so they could eat the grass. And so I thought, oh, this is just like St. Francis. Um, That's probably the only similarity that that exists there. uh, So I did that. I I, I taught at Mondelein Seminary from 1996, To 2009, and that's when I had left the tribunal and I became the uh, chaplain at the University of Chicago, which added another 15 miles onto my trip. And so I thought that the trip up to Mundelein was just too much every day, every week. And so I uh, asked to stop there. But in the meantime, I had been asked in 2005 to teach at Catholic Theological Union, which is a uh, an institution dedicated to the theological education of lay people and also the religious orders, religious communities. And so i have done that from 2005, and I'm, I'm still doing that now. And then in 2009, uh, Rose McDermott called me and asked if I would consider doing the, uh, the teaching summer program. And I said, well, you know, I as long as it didn't interrupt my fishing trip, you know, if we could work around my fishing trip uh, in June, I, I, I think I could do that. And so we worked that out, and I've been, I've been teaching there ever since, you know. And that's, those are always good experiences, uh, especially the CTU experience, because uh, the, uh, most of the, the seminarians that are there are going to be ministering elsewhere in the world. They're missionaries, and so you have to put aside your your you know U.S. mindset and think. Well, now how are the sacraments celebrated over in Africa? How are they celebrated in Asia? And so every class is different. It's always always something different uh, each time I, I teach it because the students are looking for something different, you know. Uh, okay.
1: Absolutely. You, I want to take a little side trip here into your rule of law acceptance uh, speech that, as I said, is in a different podcast, and sure. ask you to elaborate a little bit on uh, where you talked about when you first went to the Metropolitan Tribunal, and there were some days when there were these bad calls, stormy calls, as you mentioned, and then you kind of figured out something to do that um, that allowed you to be able to handle those, maybe with a little more grace, with a little more understanding. Can you elaborate upon what you, the idea of prayer?
0: Well, I just thought, you know, um, I mean, I was just looking for something that might work, you know, and I thought, you know, and after going through a a, a number of different things, you know, should I take, you know, mediation training or, or things like that, I thought, gee, why don't I do what the church does best? Pray. And that's how I started it, you know. Uh, it's just just trying to see, you know, what does the what does this person need for me to say for them to experience God's grace? You know, and you know, it's like that that, that line from the, you know, from Ephesians of say only the things that people need to hear, the things that'll help them you know and so i guess maybe you know the umpteenth time through that in the uh in the liturgy of the hours maybe some of that kind of stuck with me of well, let's let's try this you know uh let, let's see what happens you know and it worked
1: it it took me back uh, for our listeners who haven't had a chance to listen to frank Morrissey's podcast, frank said that uh, so you probably maybe absorbed that from him—that he never picks up a file without saying a prayer for that person before he opens the file. So, um,
0: and you know, and, and along those lines, you know, that's one thing I always emphasized when new judges would come in—is uh, you know—and uh, also for the defenders and and the other people in the tribunal—is uh, those are people in your file cabinets; they are not files. They are not cases. They're they're people and they have a history and they have present needs and we need to, you need to recognize those and not just see it as, well, let's pull the next file out.
1: Absolutely. The impact that the tribunal has on people's lives is something that should never be taken for granted. So I want to take you back not quite a year ago to the night when uh, you were introduced as the 2019 role of law recipient, but you had known for several months, was it difficult to not say much to too many people that for those months that you had to kind of keep it secret?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, you you know that this being, you know, uh, an institution within the church, that there's probably a lot of people who already know this, (laughs) you know, word gets around, um, and so I knew that some people knew it, but i didn 't know who knew it you know, so I had to you know keep it quiet and and that was kind of difficult sometimes you know uh but I generally don 't like to talk about myself anyhow, so i you know it's it 's not uh you know uh, it was one of the you know being an introvert helped a lot in in keeping the the, the keeping secret the the role of law award.
1: And, and then that night came and I had come in already as a executive coordinator, but I hadn't even thought to ask who was the recipient. So as Zabrina began reading, and then it began to formulate Chicago. So, you know, people I'm sure are going through their minds uh, when mm-hmm. they say Chicago. So that night must've been a, a pretty, uh, maybe a humbling experience, but you should also know that you are one of the show, you're now one of the greats whose shoulders everyone else stands. How does that make you feel?
0: Well, that's, you know, uh, one of the things that, you know, that kind of surprised me was the, uh, the enthusiasm that people had when I, when my name, when, when Sabrina mentioned my name, you know, and also the enthusiasm at the end of the talk, uh, that just really, that was, a, a you know, a, again, a humbling experience that, you know, uh, You know, I I don't consider myself to be on on a par with somebody like Frank Morrissey or Tom Green or or people like that, Um, but, you know, to have that sort of affirmation from the other members of the society was really a, you know, really a moving experience, you know.
1: And well deserved. So now that you've been through tribunal experience, you've been a a teacher in many different uh, capacities and institutions. What kind of advice would you give to someone who's considering going to study canon law today?
0: Well, I have to give that advice every year when I, when I teach at Catholic U, you know. And so what I, uh, what I try to emphasize is all of the different things that I've done, you know, as a canon lawyer. The things that are, you know, that are exciting, uh, creating a new parish, or creating a new institution in the in the archdiocese or creating one for a religious order uh, you know and then also the 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 difficult things the sexual abuse cases which were just awful uh you know uh and uh that that sort of thing too and so t- you know i try to talk about all of that stuff and 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 tell them you know uh I thought I was going to focus on marriage, you know, but the more I did this, the more my world opened up. And so canon law is something that can open up your world to things that you never, you never thought about, or you never thought that you wanted to do, but yet also gave you a great deal of, uh, of, of joy, you know? Uh, and then also just one of the things that's uh, in Chicago, that's, uh, that's so good is that it? it's a large tribunal. And so you have the advantage of interacting with other, with the other canonists there. And, you know, I uh, said, so that's the other thing is that you're, you're never alone, you know, and now, especially with the, with email and, and things like that, you can be in contact with other, with other canonists and, you know, chat about things. And so that's, you know, I said, it's a whole, you know, it, it just is a, uh, uh it just opens things up for you uh, in a way that you probably don't know right now.
1: Absolutely. So am I correct that you have retired? What what has retirement meant for you?
0: I retired from administration. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I still help out in parishes. Uh, I spent about half the year uh, in Merrillville, Indiana, where I am now, and half the year in Bradenton, Florida. And there's a couple of parishes that I help out at there, and say mass, and hear confessions, and do whatever else they ask me to do. Uh, I still teach at Catholic U, and at, at CTU, so I, I do some teaching and I do some, you know, consultation work and things like that. Um, but mostly I'm retired. You know, I get to choose what I what I do. You know, and so uh, I wanted to go back to some of the things that I enjoyed doing you know, uh, before my life got so busy. And so when I retired, uh, I got a six month sabbatical. And so the first thing I, what I did with that was I took uh, two courses in American literature at uh, Purdue University Northwest, uh, in American literature in 1865, and then African American literature to 1940. And so, cause that was one of my interests when I was in college. And so I went back to that. Uh, I've been working on my cooking skills. Uh, I've always loved to cook, but I never had time to to really work on that. Um, uh, I've always said I I wasn't a baker. I could do, you know, other dishes, but I I said I just don't bake. Well, now I'm starting to learn how to bake some things. Uh, Not very well. They're they're. <laughs> but at least i 'm trying something you know i 'm learning that i 'm still not a baker uh, <laughs> and then the other thing I went back to was I went back to my piano studies uh, i i haven 't done that since you know since ordination in seventy seven uh, but I thought I wanted to get back into that so uh, i 've been working especially on French piano literature, and so uh just you know, working on playing, you know, practicing for an hour or so a day and uh doing things like that. So I you know, I enjoy that.
1: It sounds like your retirement is busier than most people's normal <laughs> daily work lives. <laughs> but that's great. That's what keeps us young.
0: <laughs> it is. It's you know, and it was and it's fun. I mean, it's stuff that I, you know, that I miss doing. Uh I've, you know, started picking up non-technical books again, you know, and, and reading those. Uh since I spent part of the year in, in uh, Bradenton, Florida, which is just north of Sarasota, uh, which is the winter home of the circus, uh, I just picked up the biography of Barnum. Uh, and so I read that, uh, or I'm reading that. There's also one uh, on the first African-American banker in Chicago. So that's another one I'm reading. Uh, and so I'm just, you know, doing reading that I enjoy uh, you know, that doesn't have any technical stuff.
1: Well, that's great. We wish you all the best in your retirement and with all that you continue to do. Do you have any final words that you'd like to say to the Canon Law Society of America members and anyone else that might listen to this podcast?
0: Well, just that I'm, I'm grateful to the Canon Law Society for being there. Uh, I just think, you know, the uh, the conventions have always been a great uh a great bonus in my life. I was very fortunate that uh, the Archdiocese of Chicago funded that, uh, you know, which is not the case for a, a lot of canonists, I know. Uh, but you know the, the Archdiocese funded that. It was kind of an expectation that you would you would go to the convention. Uh, and you know, but just interacting with the other canonists and also with the the regional conventions, I always found very helpful. Uh, you know, to go to those, and even though they were shorter, uh, again, you, you, you meet people that you don't normally see at the, at the National Convention. Uh, but now, when I go to the convention, uh, I look for stuff that I can use in class. I look for things that I can steal from the presenters, you know, do they have an interesting way of, of presenting that, you know, and like, this last convention was, was wonderful for that. I had, I had so much I could steal, uh, from these from these presenters that I can put into my class on marriage uh, at Catholic u so
1: we'll call it creative borrowing
0: <laughs> okay all right and i do t- i do I do say who I stole it from you know I mean um,
1: <laughs> credit where credit is due there you go yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Monsignor, for being with us today. Um, we wish you all the best. We appreciate all that you have done and continue to do for the society, and we just ask god's blessings upon you and And we want you to have a great day today.
0: Okay, thank you. Thanks. All right.